0: Welcome to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today we have Elizabeth Liu on with us who is coming to us from Shanghai. We had to cross three different time zones to get to record (laughs) together this evening, um, this morning for her actually. So um, Elizabeth, thanks for being on and being willing to share what's happening in Shanghai
1: with the lockdowns right now. Yeah, I'm so happy to be on. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself first, so we know a little bit about you and why
1: you're in Shanghai? Definitely. Okay, so I came to China after university in 2005, and I came originally to let everybody know that Jesus loves them. And Mm. I was in a small town for two years, and then I moved to Shanghai so that I could study Chinese in a university and look for a husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and because I, for me, I just wanted to find a Christian husband. And so there were only churches in Shanghai. So I came to Shanghai, found myself a good man. And uh, all this time later, we have four kids and living our life in Shanghai. He's actually from Singapore. So we're two foreigners living together in Shanghai, raising our family and, loving it very much until recently yeah it it does not look
0: pretty over there right now to say the least um and that's very (laughs) mild statement but um I we had touched on this we just like dipped our toes into the Shanghai lockdown on last week's episode and then uh somebody had sent me your profile actually Mm. And I had been looking through some stories from some other people, just of fires and tents and streets and things going on. And it's very hard. Cecily and I talked about last week. It's very hard to find information about mm, what's going miss- on outside of the supply chain issues, yes. you know, yes. in the in the States and in Canada. So. Um, I'm going to read really quick. I scrolled your feed quite a bit, and you have a lot of really good information, you know, firsthand account on there. But I found this post so powerful just to kind of set the stage for all of you listening. And then we're going to let Elizabeth tell us what she's actually experiencing over there. So this post was underneath of a picture of your daughter blowing out birthday candles, which I just, if you can picture that as I read, it's just so powerful. Every day, our hearts are heavy. We have food and are safe for now, but we have oppression at our door. It is as if a fire burning around us and we feel heat growing hotter as it creeps closer to us each day. Every day we see families being separated. If your child is positive, a negative parent can join them at a COVID camp. But if if it's the other way around, children are often left behind to be cared for by the neighbors. In the past few days, city workers have put fences around home entrances and across roads where they don't belong. Firemen have been hindered from putting out fires because of this. My work is reduced to 10% of what it was because I can't tutor at the moment. Now money is just for highly inflated food. But people are starting to fight back. Fences are being destroyed. People are starting to walk their dogs outside. Online protests are happening at great, great risk to the protesters. Yesterday afternoon, I took the baby out to feed the outside cats. I wore a hazmat as disguise and let the baby go as normal. After feeding the cats, we played in a hidden spot behind some bushes, pretending to cook stones and wash them and dig for them. Baby got dirty. That made me happy to see the mud on her shoes and hands. It's been so long since she's gotten dirty. The sun set and I heard voices, so I picked up the baby and whisked her past the hazmats back into the building. As I passed, a man barked, and wear a mask, you know, and, and... the language I do not speak to <laughs> <too> baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To baby. But I ignored him and headed up the stairwell. How happy we were in those moments. She couldn't stop smiling and singing and talking in happy tones to have the open sky above her. I look forward to mo- more moments of freedom. And I read this after just coming in from doing chores with my children, you know, outside and, not having a care like this in my mind. So it's just it's heartbreaking
2: to yeah, read. It's, yeah, it's really heartbreaking and to think of like the fact that you need to be disguised just to go outside your door. It's it's a very foreign thought and it's it's hard to know that it's happening to humans.
0: Yeah. It's my second time reading through it and I have goosebumps.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it makes me kind of emotional listening to it again because You know, my Instagram is kind of a therapy for me to get out my feelings, Mm -hmm. kind of like a public diary Mm -hmm. to the world of what might happen if they just keep letting the government take their freedoms away. So it's just from my heart, this is my life here. And every day I hope that I have nothing to post and that Mm -hmm. we can just be a boring family again. But every day I'm kind of let down and I see a new thing that... I need to share with the
2: world. Well, we're very grateful that you are because I feel like the feeling that we have here in Canada and Rita, I imagine kind of the same down there, is that COVID is somewhat old news, still there with the threat of coming back, but everyone just wants to move on and be happy. And actually, that's a conversation that Rita and I had is that people just want to take a moment to breathe and celebrate that things aren't as bad as they were but the fact remains that, like you like you said, this is what happens if we keep letting the government take freedoms away. You know, and if we're celebrating the freedoms being returned to us, the ones that never should have been taken away, it's a very slippery slope to getting to the point of having to wear a hazmat suit to disguise yourself to take your baby outside. Um, so, people like you sharing is so valuable.
1: Hi, I can no longer hear you.
2: Hello. Uh, oh why would that have happened?
1: Hey, are you guys there?
2: Yeah. We are here. Can you hear us? I don't think she can hear us at okay, all. I cannot hear you. There you go.
1: Hey, sorry. I, I got kicked off there. Um in China we're pretty much blocked off from the outside internet that's not from within China without a VPN. And so a lot of people ask me, how am I sharing this if Chinese internet's not letting us? Well, a few people have in- have VPNs, but you can't even really download it very easily within China. You have to download it outside of China or get kind of a bad VPN. So yeah, if I drop again, it's because China is trying to stop me from talking. <laughs>
2: That's unreal. Like I knew that they blocked internet, but I guess until you are talking with someone when it literally drops out, you don't understand like the gravity of that. Like it's just, again, I'm going to say it again. It's so foreign to someone who's sitting in Canada or the USA to have the government literally just interfering in that, to that degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, if I can
1: touch on Canada for a second, I've been talking yeah. to a lot yeah. of Canadians lately mm-hmm. who started to follow me on Instagram, and they're asking me questions about, um, I don't know, the V word, if you're allowed to say that. Mm, yeah, <laughs> um, you can totally <laughs> let it fly <laughs> here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they're asking me if, if they prevent us from doing anything if we're not vaccinated, mm-hmm. and Actually, in China, the only prevention would be school, but school. you can still go yeah. to work. So the children all have to be vaccinated, but you can oh. still go to work and you can still do travel and you can do everything. All they require is incessant COVID testing, but not mm. vaccinations, because actually the Chinese vaccination yeah. is, ineff- is really ineffective because it's the old um, technology technology where they take part of the dead the dead virus and make it into a vaccine. Right. But yeah. they've done some testing in Hong Kong of people who've had this, and they don't have any kind of sign that their body has had a vaccine. So hmm. it's quite ineffective.
2: Right. Well, I would argue that it's quite ineffective here as well because everyone still <laughs> catches it and spreads it. Um, yeah. very interesting about the school thing. Like in Canada, you're allowed to do everything except get on a plane or a train if you're not vaccinated, okay. which okay. which is ridiculous. But um, mm. yeah. So that's that's the only thing. But yeah, very interesting. Now, that they, but you were not allowed in restaurants now, for a while and things. Yep, yeah. For a while, okay. we were not. But thankfully, that's over. But who knows? Okay. You know when that could kick back in. And also regarding the internet, um, Canada would like to put in like Justin Trudeau's government would like to put in some sort of tighter hate speech laws on the internet, which Mm. have actually been compared to like North Korea, China, Russia type interference. That's something to watch here. So
1: yeah, Yeah. for sure.
2: Definitely.
1: Well, um, go on.
0: Yeah. So do you want to just kind of tell us I mean, we've seen the images, but until you actually have somebody in front of you explaining what's happening and what kind of area you live in, what the buildings are like, and then just kind of the whole picture of what's happening there.
1: Right. Okay. So I'll explain a little bit about the neighborhoods first. So in Shanghai, you have – they're called – the foreigners call them compounds because it's an apartment complex, I guess, and it's always walled. Wherever you live, there's walls around where you live, and then there's an entrance gate and an exit gate. And in Shanghai, I would say a majority of people live in high-rise buildings. So in my neighborhood, for example, there are 10 buildings that are all about 35 stories each. And then... Within, between the buildings, they have playgrounds and a pond. And it's actually a very nice neighborhood. And then uh, there's the older neighborhoods where most old people live. And these are walk-ups. And um, I lived there before I got married. And they're up to seven stories tall. They don't have elevators. You just walk up the stairs. And they're older, um, not very tall. And they just have, like, usually one or two big blocks of these walk-ups. And these places have, like, less security and less interference. But one interesting thing is every single neighborhood has a government-appointed committee. So, you know, in the States and Canada, they have a president and a governor and a mayor and a, you know then people kind of live their lives within their communities. But here, the levels of government go all the way down to your neighborhood. So there's someone who doesn't live in our neighborhood who's appointed by the government to enforce whatever the government wants, and that's in every neighborhood. Okay, so I was watching
0: a girl's stories, and she was talking about her residential compound committee leader called her. And told her she would have to go to a facility, even though she hadn't tested positive. And so this is what she's talking about.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I was confused about what a
2: committee leader was. So that really does clear it up.
1: Yeah. So they don't really have any kind of emotional connection to the neighbors. They're just doing, they're like miniature police, but without the guns. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So are these
0: the people mainly in the hazmat suits administering tests and things or...
1: Oh, um, no, actually, the testing is has to be done by doctors. So they'll probably send yeah. in two, two doctors to where you live, and then all the other people are volunteers from the neighborhood. And so <clears throat> it really makes me think if people just stopped volunteering, they wouldn't be able to do all of this. You know, mm-hmm. all the neighbors say oh, thank you, volunteers, you are tirelessly delivering our packages and helping us do testing and all this other kind of stuff. And, and, yes, that's very kind-hearted, but at the same time, if nobody agreed to volunteer, they would not be able to do this because most of the people are our neighbors. Because what they think is that the government says anything truthful at all. <laughs> they mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. that if we just work within what the government tells us, then we'll be free. You know, if we do this, then we'll be free. So we're doing our best to sanitize everything. You know, in our in our bl- in our block, there's a group chat mm-hmm. on WeChat, which is a social media here. <clears throat> so there's a group chat for our block, and they're saying, "Oh, we need to. The government's not going to take care of us. We need to do it ourselves. So let's get some extra hazmat suits." And remember, you can only wear it one time. And if you see anybody wearing it to do something besides what they're supposed to be doing, report them. And we have to sanitize the floors three times a day, like each floor. And when the package comes, we insist that they sanitize it at the gate. And then once it arrives to the building, we have to sanitize it again. And you know, this is food. You're spraying these things on fruit.
2: Food. Yes. Yeah. So. They really that's think it to be so much worse for you than COVID itself, to be honest.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. They they really think that if they work their best within the system, then they're going to be free. But you know, here's the thing. There's this website that if you type in your address, you get to see when are you going to be released from your compound oh, wow. to be able to walk about. And the rule here is if you have a positive case in your compound then the whole compound is not allowed to leave until that person is negative or they have been shipped off to the COVID camp. And once that happens, then the 14-day timer starts. And then we all have to stay in our compound for 14 days. But the people in that building have to stay in their building for seven days. Well, my building has not had a positive case in 28 days. And we are still technically not allowed to leave our building. So while the law says one thing, each individual neighborhood committee can implement it how they want. So even neighborhoods who are free of COVID, their neighborhood committee can say, oh, we feel it's too dangerous. You cannot leave. So every day I look at this site and every every one day, every two days, we have a new case in our compound. We have five to 6,000 people in our compound. So yesterday... I told my husband, we're not leaving for at least another 14 days. We're not allowed to leave the compound for 14 days, at least according to this website. So why are we testing? Why are we putting our family at risk of, you know, possibly getting this mystery virus or getting a a false positive, which has happened a lot? Why are we giving ourselves this risk? I don't want to test. And so... You know, we tried to de- we tried to reject it before we got two people come to our door and, you know, they're volunteers. So they are our friends. And we said, no, we don't feel safe to be around all the other people. And they said, OK, OK. And then the neighborhood committee lady called us and said, really, you have no choice. You have to come down. Oh, we don't feel feel safe. Well, that's fine. You can be the last person to test. OK, so we agreed on that time. And finally, this time I said, no, I, I don't want to do it anymore. There's too much risk to our family. So the lady called my husband and my husband, he's like, we're not going down. And she said, you must, you must. No, we're not going down. And if you have a, you have a problem with it, you can call the police and they can force us to go down. Wow. And so, but the thing is, we know that many people in our neighborhood are refusing, especially in our building, because we're all negative, are refusing to go down. So we knew that she wouldn't call the police. Well, we hoped we were right. And we were right. Um, But, you know, they continually try to coerce us in different ways. So right now, on our phones, we have a health code. Everybody has a health code on your phone. For the past two years, you are only allowed to enter buildings if your health code is green. Now, your health code will be green if you are COVID-free and if you've not traveled to any place that has a high COVID amount. So even if you go into a certain part of town that has a higher number of COVID cases, your phone will track where you go. There's no choice about that. And then your code will turn yellow if you're nearby too much COVID cases. And so, so if your code is green, you can enter any building. And that's been required since the beginning of all this. Well, now... They've introduced two new buttons to our code. There's various different identifiers. One is a work permit. So you have to have a 48 hour COVID test and able to go to work every day. This is a new pass. So when you go to your office building, you have to show your health code and your work pass. And then they have another code, which is your moving around town pass. So. It is divided into different districts, and you can't really know exactly where the district starts and ends, but they're putting up some barriers around town to kind of clearly define that. And this new button is a pass to allow you to specific part of towns based on where you're coming from. And so just a pass to move around the town. And they they told us, okay, okay, everyone, we're having a new pass. We're going to release you soon. If you test, then you can have a green pass, but if you don't, you're not. But the thing is, half the things that they tell us are just lies. They're just coercion methods. So if we're not leaving our our building for another two weeks, and the pass only lasts for two days, why am I going to put myself at that risk? I'm not. Mm-hmm. And in fact, yesterday I just saw some people are posting their low. They lowered down this little uh, testing center on a main road. It's just this little stall. And they've made many of these stalls and they, I don't know, in Korea, you might've seen them. They have these plastic gloves that the, the attendant puts their hands in. So they're completely sealed off from the person and it's a quick testing center. And so it's nucleic acid testing that they're going to put all over town in these little stalls because everyone's going to be needing them every 48 hours for a while. So, you know, when we're able to go out again, it's not going to be the same town as before we're going to need passes to do everything and we're going to need testing every 48 hours and i imagine half the businesses are going to be closed because who can continue to have a job without earning any money for over a month
2: oh my goodness yeah
1: so really quick for those of you
2: listening
0: who think this is happening in china this wouldn't happen here this is china first of all, this matters to us here from a humanitarian standpoint, but also this is ESG, guys. This is digital ID. This is environmental social governance. This is what we've been talking about. This Mm -hmm. is happening and we need to pay attention. And if you think this can't happen here, listen to what Elizabeth just said about the people that are on her WeChat talking about, you know, if we just comply for this amount Mm -hmm. of time, you know, everything will get better. You know, we'll get over this. And Talking about how the government's not gonna take care of them, so they're going to disinfect the streets themselves, and people are totally bought in. The same thing happened right here in America, okay? Mm The mindset, the the mindset is similar. Regardless of the measures being different, the mindset of the people is so similar.
2: Yeah, it's it's the virtuous thing too. Like that's the question I was gonna ask you. Like, what drives your neighbors to volunteer? Is it the drive for freedom? Like, this true belief in the propaganda, essentially, like, if we do this, we'll be free. So we're going to really be part of the solution. Like, do you think that's the drive to volunteer? Or is there some other motive as well? No, that's absolutely
1: it. Because I get a lot of questions from Western Westerners. And they have a very different they don't understand that Chinese people, because of their environment, have a completely different mindset and culture. You know, mm-hmm. you can, they're wonderful people. You can be friends with them. You can have relationships. You can enjoy the country. But the 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 environment forms your mindset. So right. first of all, the Chinese culture mm-hmm. is a very much group culture. In the West, mm-hmm. it's a very individualistic, like, I can do it. I want to be the best I can. I want to excel even if my surroundings are not. But in China, you don't want to stand out. You, you move together mm-hmm. as a group. And so <clears throat> when Westerners see this and say, why don't they just protest? Why don't they do this? Well, first of all, because our communication is very limited. You know, mm-hmm. we have social media, but anytime there's massive amount of censorship and it's done very quickly so people can't Mm -hmm. even rally together to protest they can't even communicate with each other you know even your communications within wechat they're all scanned and you will be cut off from from that if you start talking about this you know so if you want Mm -hmm. to be the one to stand out you have to do it either person to person or just decide, okay, I'm going to be the nail that gets bashed down and nobody really wants that. And so another thing is the news media is 100% government owned. So even, even when you hear something and it's, you know, partially foreign owned, there's always the publisher who will check everything and make sure it's according to the propaganda. I, About 15 years ago, when I was in Shanghai, I had three friends come over from Singapore and they came to do an internship um, at a Shanghai newspaper. And one thing they said to me really blew my mind. They said, every single thing that we write is completely changed. Even small details as to like if there's a fire, how many people died or, you know, where did this thing happen? Just basic facts are changed. Everything's changed. and. So, you know, I'll just touch on one more thing about that. When I first came to China, I didn't speak any Chinese at all. And I would watch the news to try to pick up some Chinese words. And one thing I always noticed is no matter what the disaster was, whether it was an earthquake or a train accident, there was never more than about 36 or 37 people who died. Even when you Mm -hmm. could see clearly hundreds of cars under a flood in a tunnel where many more people died. Nope, Mm -hmm. only 37 people died. And I thought, why is this? And then it was just this year that a Chinese person explained to me, well, here's the thing. If more than 30-something people die, they have to do an investigation as to Mm -hmm. why that happened. Why was that building not secure enough? And when the earthquake came, all the children inside died in that school. You know, They have to investigate why that happens. So in the law, they have a law that's supposed to help the people, but there's a way to get around it that is the reality. So while China says one thing, the reality is always very different. And so bringing it back to the people and their mindset, Mm -hmm. the government says, this COVID is so dangerous. You're going to have long-term side effects. You're going to have brain damage. You're going to have all these things. And long-term effects and we are doing this for your health you know save your children save your future we every other country they're they just lay down and defeat that's that's the chinese phrase what it means every other country just admits defeat but we are a great china and we are going to defeat this zero covid for the best of our people and so the people believe it because they don't have an alternative alternative news source they're Mm -hmm. not stupid but they're misinformed And so this is very intelligent people receiving the news and interpreting it in a way that Mm -hmm. they feel is best for their families. So, And and they they were not raised with a mindset of freedom. This is not really something they're used to or
2: even thinking separately from the group. So I don't know if that answers completely. Oh, it does. I'm fascinated, honestly. What a clear-cut example of why government – owned and controlled media is so dangerous. Like that's the best word I have for it is that it's dangerous. And, you know, people in our countries here might be thinking, oh, but our government is good. Like it's fine. Well, first of all, how do you know? And secondly, it's subject to change, right? This is why it's so dangerous to have government owned media. And as you were describing, like the reporters saying, like all the writing and reporting is changed. It made me think of the book 1984 Mm -hmm. and Newspeak, Mm -hmm. right? Where things are just totally changed to fit the agenda of the party. Um, so it's really interesting that people will debate over like, oh, could 1984 or Brave New World ever happen? Well, the thing is, it is happening and it's just happening to different degrees in different parts of the world. Yeah, exactly, very much so.
1: And and I'm convinced that the only way we will accomplish zero COVID in China is if they stop testing yes. or if they change the terms. So they mm-hmm. redefine what zero COVID means. And, right. you know, that's, this is one reason why I'm so vocal on social media is because, you know, for the past few years, I've been seeing in America, truth be redefined, you know, mm-hmm. because they want to protect somebody's feelings and their own reality, that their own false reality that they're living in, you know, they want to say, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Sure you're a girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No worries. Yes. You are definitely a girl when they're clearly not, you know, like, okay, if you, if you do not follow what this person's reality is, then, then you are hateful. Then you are the enemy Then you are the other. And so when people, other people, you know, like, like dehumanize people, then, Mm -hmm. you know, here, the dehumanized are sent off to COVID camps. Now they call them makeshift hospitals. There's no medicine there. Like mm-hmm. the the most most medicine they might have is some Chinese herbs, which the Chinese joke that you will die before you're healed with Chinese herbs, oh, wow. that's 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 better for preventative medicine. It's very useful for that, but not very much for healing quickly. And The government, what happened in Shanghai was Shanghai was dealing with it. But then Beijing said, oh, you're not doing a good enough job. Your cases are too high. You have 300 cases. Good Lord. We're going to take away your own government and send in the vice premier of China. And she's going to take over. So then she makes a bunch of edicts without any planning, without any science or medical expertise and just says, "Okay, we're going to build these camps and all the positives are going to go there. And you guys figure out the details. So what happens is you have cases of these giant convention type centers that are half built. But because there are so many positive cases, because you're testing 26 million people every day, then what happens is thousands of people get sent to these places that are half built, that rain is pouring in when it rains, or in some situations, even these half built places where people are sleeping on the floors, they get overfilled. And then you see cases of people being, being put on tents on a road, on a long road that's shut off full of hundreds of tents. And then it's pouring rain there. And you think, why are you pulling people out of their homes where they can sleep mm-hmm where they can heal if they're truly sick and putting them on tents on a road in the middle of nowhere Shanghai in the suburbs. Th- you know why? Because these are the other people. These are the mm-hmm. dehumanized people. When you're positive, you are, you are red code. You are not allowed to be part of society anymore. And so when people see this and think, oh, this is communist China, this is nowhere near where our country is. Well, look what people did to people who didn't wear a mask, you Mm -hmm. know, even though a mask, a cloth mask has been proven not to really uh, help anything except in a very clinical um, trial, like a, a clinical lab, like in real life, a a cloth mask is not going to stop a virus. You're going to need mm-hmm. one of these high-tech masks that no one wears. And so people put a cloth on their face and say, we are virtuous. We are righteous. We are doing the best mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And then they see someone else without the useless cloth mask and say, you, if you die of COVID, you deserve it. How different is the West from China?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well said. That's what I mean. The mindset. The mindset is so similar.
2: Yeah. So the way that you described the mask, like it really speaks to the false reality that you had spoken of and the redefinition of truth. Like I really appreciated the way you compared it to, you know, a man saying he's a woman. Rita, what's the city in California that's literally redefining the definition of woman right now? It's San Do Francisco, I think, San isn't Francisco? it? San Francisco, I don't know. Something like that. Anyway. I, well, but, actually,
0: I think it was generally stated as California when I read yeah, it. But, okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. But it's just such a good example. So you're so right. It's this redefinition of what's true. And the mask is the same thing. It's this false reality of it being helpful and virtuous. And that's the problem I've always had with it. Um but hearing you describe it now from the perspective where you are sitting, it's so much more powerful than when we would describe it here. Because I don't think people can fully appreciate where it goes from here if we continue to embrace the lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, just
1: say, "Go on, go ahead." Uh, they just see it as a small thing, a small thing to help, you know, a exactly. small thing to protect their neighbor and love your neighbor, but. We could say the same thing in China right now. We're just trying mm-hmm. to protect the elderly. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to protect the weaker people. Does anybody want this in the West so they can protect others? How far mm-hmm. are you going to go to protect others, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was listening to another podcast this morning actually by one of our friends named Shanda and she was talk they were talking about budging on truth, Shanda was. And she's like, if you give an inch on truth, it'll go a mile. And she gave the example of like, you know, if you're okay with abortion up to a certain point in a pregnancy, um, why is that any different than post birth infanticide, essentially, it's like, well, you give on the truth a little bit and you give on it a little bit till before you know it, you are completely somewhere else because truth is truth no matter what, you know, killing a baby is killing a baby, whether it's in the womb or outside. So this, this whole truth discussion is just so fascinating to me. It's a constant moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So as far as
1: As far as Shanghai goes, I think people should just really listen. You know, it's so far away for so many people. And but honestly, it's just it's like everyone is asleep and there's a thief at your door picking Mm -hmm. at your lock. And you're just living in your materialism, buying things and being happy Mm -hmm. when right at the door. They're trying to come in and change everything, take away, steal all your freedoms. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you for saying that. Like I was yeah. just messaging Cecily
0: before this and said, you know, um, sometimes people r- will rebuttal my comments and things that I talk about when something that is appearing um, has the appearance of good happens, but I have like another thought to go with it. Like maybe we shouldn't be so quick to just jump on a bandwagon and people will come at me with, well, people just want to be happy. They're tired. People just Mm want to be happy. And like you said, you know, there's a thief at your door and you can't let your guard down. You know, I think that people, um, anymore in America, especially Canada. Also, you know, we're just like lazy and weak and so comfortable. We, we, yes, we're comfortable and don't understand that, you know, people before us didn't have the opportunity to just sit down and be happy, you know, mm-hmm. and like shut everything off. And when I hear somebody say, you know, well, I just, I just want to be happy in this moment and not look at you know the alternatives to what's happening or the a bigger picture or then have the entire conversation i just want to read the headline and be happy i also think you know well there's another saying for that and it's ignorance is bliss you know yeah. and <laughs> so I if understand. you really get down to it
1: that's what we're talking about here you know well you know let's let's look at food supply for a minute so mm-hmm. in shanghai i don't know what everyone knows about shanghai but after living here for 17 years it is one of the most beautiful modern high-tech cities in the world and everything runs so smoothly you can on your you don't have to ever go to the supermarket if you don't want to everything you can just push some buttons on your phone it will be delivered within an hour and without delivery charge everything is so smoothly run but it's all one big system okay and so we don't have a way to provide for our own, our own food. We don't have a way to clean our own water, you know, have clean water necessarily. We don't, you know, there's so much things that would stop if we, if the, if there was a a problem in the system, you know? So, so that's exactly what happened. Um, if you're all locked in your homes, including a huge amount of the delivery people, how do we get food? Um, it's very difficult. The first two weeks we were, uh, sharing like one egg for two people eating a lot of rice and noodles and really rationing our food. And, you know, I have four kids. They're, they're growing very quickly and they're always hungry. And after every meal in between meals, they say, oh, mom, I want a snack. I said, we don't have enough food. Just wait till lunch. Just wait till the next meal. And you know that's—it seems like such a small thing, like telling your kids they can't eat anything because we're going to run out of food. But it was like that for the first two weeks. Eventually,
0: any parent knows that's not a small thing. No, I was <laughs> going to say that's not a small thing. Small. Like
1: we were still able to eat, but if they were hungry, I couldn't just say, "Okay, mm-hmm. and grab something," because if they did, we would run out of food very quickly, and we we don't know when we could replenish it, and so. Eventually, the government started giving us some vegetables and lots and lots of cabbage. And uh, mm. we, we can do some group orders. So if we get a minimum of a few thousand RMB or uh, 50 orders, we can get a company to send us um, a specific food. So we can all do a group order for bananas. So what ends up happening is you end up spending hours a day just to collect different groceries. Mm. And and so what happens in America if you accept this green code, you know, or accept a health code? When is it going to be, okay, you're not allowed to go into supermarkets if you don't have the right pass or the right code, Mm -hmm. you know? And who can grow their own food? What percentage of Americans can actually provide their own food? You know, exactly. So, when everything is so modern, so comfortable, everything is Amazon to your house, Mm -hmm. what happens when that all shuts off? Can you even survive? You know, so that's why it's so, so, so important that people who have already given away all of their privacy try to hold on to their rights, their individualism. Americans, they have the sense of, I am my own person, but I have a feeling that this is kind of sliding more and more into group Mm -hmm. mentality. So again, that is so dangerous, equally dangerous.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. This is such an important topic conversation that you brought up about this essential dependence, right? Like, and it makes sense. Like if you're living in a city or you can't, you can't grow your own food, so there is a level of dependence that comes with that. And just the other day, I was re-listening to one of our podcast episodes. It was on bio Digital convergence. And I was listening with my 10-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And for most of the podcast, he thought what they were talking about was completely crazy, which I totally agreed with. But then it kind of got <laughs> into a part where it was talking about essentially a circular economy where you don't own anything and you're very dependent on, you know, deliveries and you know, everything kind of being brought to you as you need it, rather than like being able to prepare and take care of yourself in advance. And he's like, well, what's so bad about that? And I'm like, well, let's just, I pause it. I'm like, let's just think about it for a second. If you aren't, if you don't have what you need to take care of yourself, what happens if the person who has all of it, all of a sudden decides that you don't get it, Mm, you know, like, yeah, and so it was a really good opportunity to have a, a talk with him. He's like, "Oh, he's like, well, that's really not good." I'm like, "No, it's really not good," and this is why you need to look at things below um, below just the surface level. You know, all of these issues go so much deeper. And you're so right. Like this, this comfort Amazon lifestyle that we live is an extremely dangerous place to be in, and it's happening all over the place.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah, is there any? Is there anything else you want to know about Shanghai? I guess I have a question about
0: whether or not you feel comfortable sharing this and how safe you feel sharing all of this so publicly. Mm-hmm. And maybe um, especially for those that are native to China um, that would share, would would it be different for them? Would they feel different about their safety?
1: Yeah. Okay. So if you share on social media, there's Weibo, which is a Chinese Twitter or there is WeChat, which is everybody has it. And, and this is not just like WhatsApp or Instagram or this kind of thing. It has everything. So you use WeChat. I haven't used cash in over a year. Like I barely remember my pen on my card. All the money that people, like a majority of, of spending is done from your phone. So you can connect your bank to your WeChat or your Alipay. There's different kinds of online payments, and if you bring cash to a supermarket or to a store, they have to go f- find some cash to give you change back. Nobody uses cash anymore. And, and the so,
0: government owns the government owns WeChat,
1: correct? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think they are very heavily involved in it. And okay. while while they might not own it, they control it. So. Okay. They have sensors and all of that. And so if your WeChat, or if your social, if your WeChat is blocked for a day, then it can become very difficult to order food. There's many, many programs for buying food that you use through WeChat. These group buys, they're all through WeChat. So if you post a video that says, this is what's happening in, in Shanghai, like a few days ago, hundreds and thousands of people were posting on their on their page on their moments page where they share things this 6 minute video of just voice recordings from help centers you know of what's happening in Shanghai with and different videos of different things that are happening it's very objective good and bad about the situation in april and it was immediately brought taken down and people kept sharing and sharing and then trying to alter it put little emojis over it to try to block the sensors mm-hmm. and for one whole day and night everyone's moments probably eight out of ten moments were you cannot see this you cannot see this you no- you cannot see this because they were just taking down and everyone was kind of awakened to how much the sensors want to block what's actually happening mm-hmm. and so if they block and everyone every single person who posted that video their WeChat was down for one day. They were um, banned for one day from making group buys, from communicating with anybody, because this is how everyone communicates as well. So mm-hmm. it's it, this kind of protest, even online, is a little bit dangerous. And I actually forgot your question. <laughs> Essentially, oh, so you feel safe. Oh, yes, doing yes. This. Okay, continue. Yes. So that's what happens to the Chinese. And then, um, Then, for me, if I'm I'm not posting anything on Chinese social media because it's very heavily censored. And, you know, at the beginning of 2020, uh, this all happened in Wuhan. And other cities in China didn't really know exactly what was happening in Wuhan, except that it started there. They didn't know details. And I was talking to someone two days ago, and he is a foreigner who was studying in Wuhan at that time. And he said he... Was locked down like Shanghai for seven months in Shanghai. Seven months. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. Can you hold on for just one mm-hmm. second? Yep. Okay. If you talk, then you're gonna have to go okay? bye bye. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so um, this happened in Wuhan, and he said anybody who spoke to any international media. The police came to them and told them to not continue to give interviews. And so some people are jailed. There is a law in China that says if you spread rumors, then you can be jailed for up to 7 years if you spread rumors. This is a law on the books. So of course, it's up to the government to decide what rumors are. So for me, I haven't shared I haven't shared anything negative. I haven't shared anything negative about China in my, I don't know, seventeen years that I've been here. But mm-hmm. finally, I'm just like, oh, my, my risk is probably deportation. Please deport me. I would love to be deported. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm just oh, yeah. like burning all the bridges on the way out. <laughs> yeah,
2: just burn it all down. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, really so, the short answer is maybe. There's maybe risk to me. I guess I'm going to find out.
0: (laughs) Okay. One other question I had, and I think maybe I'll link in some numbers before I get to the question, because I think for people listening, um, maybe if you hear the zero COVID policy, and you said earlier, Elizabeth, like they're never going to get to that. I mean, they're pretty darn close. (laughs) I mean, it's just interesting how strict this lockdown is and how little COVID there is percentage-wise. I was looking up numbers before we got on here. And according to Reuters, uh, Shanghai on April 24th reported uh, 51 COVID-related deaths. And I looked up the population. It said uh, there was 28.5 million people living in Shanghai in 2021. Um, So that's a very small percentage. And I think they said that there were uh, just over 2,700 symptomatic cases, which works out to be eight thousandths of a percent. So (laughs) very, very small. And then asymptomatic cases, which I would consider um, a false positive, if you don't have symptoms, why are you testing somebody anyways? Um, That's half a percent, half a percent of the population with an asymptomatic test. So they're doing all this, locking all these people down for these numbers, okay, first of all. Um, But I was listening to a podcast. I think it was like world business news or something. And she was interviewing a man anonymously. He was a Chinese business owner. And he was talking about, you know, a woman in his, uh, in his um, apartment building that was um, needing dialysis and couldn't get out to get dialysis and passed away because they didn't have access to medical care. Um, A nurse who passed away of an asthma attack and was refused medical care because they were waiting for their uh, COVID test. And the COVID test took four hours before they could be admitted to the hospital. And talking about people jumping out of buildings and that there were um, more deaths due to the lockdown than COVID itself in Shanghai right now. And so I just want to know your take on that, um, the accuracy and um, anything you have seen or heard related to that.
1: Okay. Well, do you remember how I told you about the 35 to to 40 number of people who died in every accident and every right. tragedy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would definitely not believe the numbers for deaths. So mm. while the cases might be accurate, the number of cases that they're reporting, yes. Um, yes. there's been some, some rumors, let's say, of old people's homes and the high amount of deaths in old people's homes in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't believe the numbers for a minute when it comes to the deaths, just as I am very cautious. I'm very doubtful of the numbers, even in America Mm -hmm. where they, you know, someone dies of a heart attack or a car accident and they have COVID. Oh, that's a COVID death, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of the opposite and swayed the
0: opposite direction. Yeah.
1: (laughs) In China so I don't believe the death numbers for a minute Um, but as far as the lockdowns go at this moment in time you know a lot of people say if they wanted to do the lockdowns they should have done it in 2020 when it was a new Mm -hmm. unknown virus where people you know they didn't know the severity of it and they might have very easily said well we want to protect the people and instead they wait until the virus is like a common cold and end up killing more people than the virus at this point ever could. So it's kind of like overkill, way too late, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the Chinese go, you said, is there risk for them and, and their perspective? And this morning, I just posted on my stories a link to this Chinese guy, and he tested negative. For a COVID test. And and he and his friend, they both tested negative, but then the CDC said, okay, we're going to take you to the COVID camp. And they said, oh no, wait, we're negative. And they said, no, according to us, you're positive. Like we see that you're positive. And they said, but we've taken the test and we see, it. we demand that you send us another test. They said, no, we're not mm-hmm. going to send you another test. You're coming to the COVID camp where they will definitely get COVID. And he luckily his friend who lived with him was a British person and she said she will bring it to the BBC and they made a big scene about it and finally they sent them another test from and they tested negative. And this was after they threatened the police and how they were going to take them because according to their records, they are positive. And this Chinese person said, you know, I trusted the government that they were doing this for our good before, but now I don't. Now they're just hypocrites. And so all this lockdown has done is, is killed more people than it's saved. It's really turned the hearts of the Chinese, of many, many, many Chinese against the government. So while I see it as a way to implement new controls on a country that has developed and people have prospered and developed so much over the past 40 years. They've been introduced to different ideas and maybe the government said, you know, these people, they are too independent thinking. Now we need more control. And so now we need passes to go around even different parts of the city. And now the Chinese people, a lot of them feel so broken and helpless. And do you know that right now, the the searches on the chinese google for immigrating abroad have increased 3000%. Wow. so a lot of people are are tired of this while while you see most people you know complying there's still a lot of people that are not going to make themselves so known that are also just ready for this to be done with
0: yeah one other thing I saw was a woman who was um, being sent messages like, why don't you just leave? And she was saying, you know, it's very hard. Like there, ha- mm. there's a lot that goes into leaving, first of all. But she said, even if you can just get a flight, she said the airport uh, that's closest, I I she said 92% of the flights are canceled daily.
1: Yeah. Um, there's there's three flights leaving from the airport today. Wow, so Wow. That's not so much <laughs> <laughs> no so I, I get this a lot as well um, and honestly it's just so frustrating because you know what if someone tells you today oh my Canada mm. or America is doing awful you need to escape fly across the world to the UK let's just say UK has freedom mm. okay I, you need to get out of there as soon as you can oh you've never lived in the UK oh that's fine just drop your entire life and go there just to to run to freedom this is just such a privileged mindset you know i know people don't mean this but you know we've been here for 18 years my husband has and i'm the only one in my family now that has ever lived in america my children were born and raised in america my husband has never lived in america so he would have to you know move Luckily, they said he can still have the same job, but work from America teaching online like he has, he does workshops for corporate um, HR related things. And luckily they said he can continue to do the online workshops, but we have to start a whole new life across the world. And suddenly we can just run and do that. It takes time, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and not only that all of our money is here, you know, we have to be able to go to the bank and transfer money. We have to be able to close our phone accounts. We have to do a lot of things in person. And so there's that. In addition to that, here's how we leave now. First, you have to get permission to leave your compound from your work has to call the CDC. Like it has to involve your office for some reason and the CDC and perhaps your embassy. And then you can get a special permission to leave your compound. Once you receive this permission, then your neighborhood committee has to agree to let you go. They have to agree to this permission. And they will only agree to it once you have already bought your plane ticket, okay? So you buy the plane ticket, you get these permissions, and after you leave your compound, you are not allowed to return. So you better hope that flight doesn't get canceled, which they are constantly being canceled. So after you leave your compound, there's no taxis. The airport is a long, long way away. So you have to get a private car. Previously, this private car would cost about $30 to get to the airport. Now it's between three dollars and $400 to get to the airport. And that's just for a regular car. We need two cars because we have a big family, six people plus luggage. So once you pay three dollars to $400 for one location, but it's not just one location because in order to check in, you need the COVID test, the official COVID test. So they ha- you had to pay additional money to take you to a hospital to get a COVID test and wait at least four hours to get the results before you can check in to the airport. And then you check in and pray that your flight is not canceled because then what? You are not allowed back in your compound. So. Do you really maybe if you're just a single person you can take that risk, but if you have children, how how can you take that risk? It's almost impossible.
0: Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. For a family that's just it's beyond overwhelming. You know, it's mm-hmm. impossible almost. So
1: yeah. <sighs> anyway, I don't been,
0: mean <laughs> no I don't mean to been, sound so
2: angry. <laughs> no. No. Even if you are angry, it's it's fully understandable. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. It's all justified,
0: and yeah. I don't know. We we get passionate on this podcast often. Oh so yeah, we're, we're, we're good, a good company.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't thank you enough for coming on here and telling us what you're experiencing. Like I can't. I thought I I thought I had an idea. And I was extremely wrong. You know what I mean? Like, it's just completely different hearing it from someone. So I thank you for taking the time and honestly, probably the energy to share that.
1: Yes, we very much
2: appreciate
1: it. I'm so glad. Right now, I just want people to know so that they can, you know, stop being so lazy and take charge Mm -hmm. of your own freedom, you know? So I hope that a lot of of people hear this.
2: Yes. I hope so too. Yeah. Well, it was very powerful hearing from you. Very powerful. So I have no doubt that it will be shared many, many times. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Rita and Cecily, for having me on.
0: All right, thank Elizabeth, you all. do you want to um do you wanna tell people where they can find you if they want to see more of what's happening in your area?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's Elizabeth C Liu, which is L-I-U. So Elizabeth C L I U. And that's on. Instagram and I post every day and in my stories especially I share a lot of other people's stories of what they're going through in Shanghai as well so yeah they can catch me there that's great all right. thank you so much no worries have a have a wonderful evening you too all
0: right guys thank you so much for listening to this important episode uh, I think it's just so we we need to know what's going on in other places not just like we said earlier, because of the humanitarian issues, but because it does hit home in a certain way. And when we hopped off, Elizabeth mentioned, you know, she's aware she lives in China. And she had mentioned when she saw what was happening to the Uyghurs, she knew that it was only a matter of time before it got closer to home. And Mm -hmm. I just mentioned, you know, this is one reason we wanted to have her on. We're quick in north america to talk about oppression and talk about humanitarian issues but it seems that we only highlight the ones that we're allowed to talk about the ones in the media the ones that are always front of mind and it seems Mm -hmm. that china is often left off the table and so this was an important conversation i hope you listen and share um Mm -hmm. if you have a friend that you think should hear this send it over to them um, Elizabeth is passionate about getting this story out and letting people know what is happening in Shanghai right now. So thank you so much for listening. As always, please leave us a review if you like what you hear here because um, we put a lot of time and effort into it and those reviews are one simple way you can help us out. You can find me, Rita, at Rita Rogers Co. on Instagram or RitaRogersCo.com.
2: And you can find me, Cecily, on Instagram at cecily.dickey or on my website, thegracetogrow.com. Thanks for listening.